Hi, I'm Lauren and he's Jordan and welcome to the His Film, Her Movie Podcast. Welcome listeners to episode 12. You're looking at me like I should know this. 12, I think it's 12. I don't know. Was it 11? No, it's not 11. Maybe it's 13. No, it's 12. Let's go with 12. Okay. Because we're very organised. <laughs> You're the one who does the artwork. <laughs> I just stick it up <laughs> on Instagram and Facebook. I thought you knew what we were up to. <laughs> so yeah, welcome to the His Film, Her Movie podcast. We are a movie podcast that takes a certain topic. We pick two films and discuss them. Mm-hmm. And what are we doing this week? We're doing a day to remember. So we're doing... Films set over 24 hours. Yes. Um, which, when I was thinking about it, I can only think of like maybe like two films. There's all the loads. I've got, I've, I had a pick of about 10 that I wanted to do, but I think I've picked my favourite of those and one of the most interesting ones of them. Um, well, we do actually, for people who follow us on Instagram, we always try and put up... Um, Little, little little teasers, little, little hints. clues. And we have had somebody put in two guesses. Right. For this one. It is um, No Limits Podcast. Yes. And they suggested Sky High. Right. And Great Gatsby. Both answer over one day. No. <laughs> but, but, good, but good try. Yeah, good try. Good try, but... It's, uh, it's always good to have feedback. Good try, no prize. <laughs> so we might as well get into the films. What is your film? My film is... It is the 2015 film A Royal Night Out. Brilliant. And I've picked 1989's Do the Right Thing. I was two when that came out. I was three. It's a spikely joint. What does it mean by a Spike Lee joint? Does that mean him with, like, with him with somebody else? Or is it just Spike Lee and that's how you say it? Yeah, it's just like, do you know how it says directed by? Mm-hmm. It's just Spike Lee always has. Well, apart from some, the films, for example, like he made Old Boy. Oh. Um, a remake of Old Boy yeah. a couple of years ago, but he got basically screwed over by the studio on that one. So that one's just directed by Spike Lee. It isn't a Spike Lee joint because he, didn't, he didn't, doesn't like it. Oh, okay. So but, it's a joint on, he's happy. Yes. Okay, cool. And yeah, I think we picked two interesting ones, really. Two differing ones. Very different. We picked um, a light one and maybe a bit more of a, a serious one. Mm-hmm. So should we start with a royal night out? Yes, let's start with the nice light one. Beautiful. I thought. Trafalgar Square, recession. 
So, for anybody who hasn't seen this film, which is probably quite a lot of people because it's quite a small film, it was, um, it came out in 2015, it was directed by Julian Jarrett. Right. And it's based on Princess Elizabeth. Yeah. A.K.A. The Queen. Queenie. Queenie. Uh, or as, she, as her nickname is in this, and it's actually her real nickname, Lilibet. Lilibet. I love that nickname. <laughs> I think it's great. And um, Princess Margaret. Right. And it is on VE Day, and they get to go out, and they get to celebrate with the commoners. Uslot. So, Uslot. Well, not Uslot, because we're way too far north. Yeah. And um, we're too young. And we're too young. That too. Yeah. Wasn't alive. Um, in reality, the princesses did go out. Yeah. They actually went out in an organised group of 16 people and they were out from 10pm until 1am. I actually couldn't find any sort of reports of what they did or where they went. So it's kind of what this film's based on. It's yeah. them letting loose. It's comical and it's fun and um, it's a nice, sweet film for people who maybe have watched The Crown and this was made before then. And um, you see uh, Princess Margaret getting into a few scrapes, which um, she was famous for doing. These ones are definitely a little bit more out there, but definitely tamer than what she actually did. Yeah. So it's they get separated on their night out and it's Elizabeth trying to find Margaret whilst Margaret's having the time of her absolute life. Yes. And it's just a nice, nice film. It is. I, and I actually really kind of enjoyed it when it was on. Mm-hmm. It's It's got this very working title feel about it. It's sort of mm-hmm. like like in the essence of a, of a King's Speech. Maybe a bit more silly than that. Yeah, it's definitely got sillier bits. It's definitely maybe more... I would say it's for a younger audience than the King's Speech. Um, yeah. It's maybe sort of like... A, more of a family film. More of a family film, maybe more of an entry film into yeah, yeah. those kind of things. Um, what I really like about it is at the start, it's intercut, like the whole start is film and audio from the time. Yeah. And I really like it. So you have the people celebrating, you have like all the old uh, videos of that. You have um, audio and videos of Churchill's speeches. Yeah. Um, and I think that's quite good because it starts out black and white the same as those films to help you get a feel for it. People our age, we've never experienced anything like this, and no. hopefully, hopefully, we never will. Well, that's yeah, true. Because I it mean, it came ho- after such a horrific war, but seeing the actual footage from that time it gives you a sense of the relief and the celebration, and kind of sets the tone absolutely for the film, which I really enjoy. And it does. I mean, it's it's shot. I mean, the first opening sequence, it's sort of like a okay, we got to shoot in these locations, or we've got this so so much money we can build these luscious sets. Because I actually think they got to shoot in quite a few of the locations. And that's what I was thinking. I think they must have had some sort of either really good set builder to recreate. Buckingham Palace. I just got to shoot there because I'm not sure if films are actually allowed to shoot there. I or actually not. think they are. 
I think they are, but only on a set sort of time frame. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to sort of get it done when the Queen isn't yeah. in. Because it looks, those opening scenes when you've got the staircases, oh, it's it's just sort of like, beautiful. okay, it's it's... This is a real deal. It looks it looks incredible and it looks very regally shot. But when you get introduced to Elizabeth and Margaret, especially Margaret, you you understand what sort of a film you're in because mm-hmm. she's very ditzy, she's very youthful yeah. and silly, and and it's sort of like okay, we're in this isn't a serious no, royal family movie. No, it starts out feeling a little bit serious when you watch like the start. And the sort of sombre tone. And then Margaret comes in. And I always think about it the way that they sort of talk about Prince Harry now. Yeah. He has been able to get away with doing so much more stuff. And sort of messing around and going out and partying and doing all this. um, Because he is never going... Well, it's very, very unlikely he's ever going to be king. He's like, what, six in line for the throne? It's crazy, yeah. Like, there has to be a huge amount of death before he's in line. (laughs) Whereas for the time, Margaret, there was only a sister who was in line and then there was only then she was like, she calls herself P2, princess yes. number two. Um, and she says, nobody cares about what I'm doing because I'm princess number two. And you kind of get that feel from her that she's maybe been left to her own devices. Kind of. And you get the responsibility from Elizabeth because she's really a bit more thinking, okay, I am actually going to be queen. Yeah. So she isn't as frivolous. No. But what I kind of like about this movie as well is, I mean, it's it's enjoyable, it's light, it's fluffy, it's so it's not going to be a sort of a history maker, you know what yeah. I mean? But when it's on, it is very, very enjoyable. And what I like about it is it's this fish-out-of-water tale, mm-hmm. but instead of a commoner in... The, the the regal side of the world, try like where the comedy comes from, them getting things wrong. Yeah. This is taking the side of unrivaled entitlement mm-hmm. and putting them in the fishbowl with everybody else. Yeah, because when they're out, nobody knows who they are. No. Which, again, I think in this day and age is such an unbelievable thing of thinking that people didn't recognize them Mm. but i have to disagree a little bit with you when you're saying it's soft and it's fluffy because i feel like the grit comes when the when um, elizabeth meets jack the raf airman yeah and he he scoffs at the king's speech when he said when the king says about fallen soldiers and he says it's a dirty horrible death it's not fallen they're Mm. dead and then he has um quite a big thing about the class divide. He's got yeah. um, a lot of the bombings around London were like the docks and the places people where p- poor people lived. And he's like, oh, they're going past on a ship. And they see someone who's like, whole side of their house is gone, but they're still living there. And he's like, oh yeah, poor buggers. They just, you know, keep calm and carry on. That's the spirit. But they're not, they don't have anything and nobody's coming to help them. Mm. And he, he he's also talks about his own PTSD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing like his friends be killed and being shot at, and the lack of support that he received when he asks, "Can I have a bit of time off?" Because I've just literally held my friend as he died on the way home, and the officers got him. No, you're going back out again to shoot. Which was probably very, absolutely real. Because... Very, very true. But um, it does. Bring that, and he sort of 
brings in the reality of everything. Margaret doesn't experience that because she's off and she's having a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this is seen as being an opportunity for Elizabeth to actually learn about the country that she's going to be ruling. And that's exactly right. That is, yeah. And that's why, obviously, you've got Margaret, who's more of the comedy character, but it's the whole point of... I, I like the fact that they're jealous of... The, the the general population and the fact is like, okay, they get to have this pure joy of an evening where we're mm-hmm. sitting stuffy. I do agree with you with Elizabeth having the opportunity to understand what it's like just living and not being in the, one of the biggest mansions in the exactly. in, in the world and not having sort of any not not any worries because obviously they have worries. Completely different. Yeah, completely different stresses of every day of when she's talking about, oh, we don't really think about money. And Jack's like, what's the only, literally the only thing I think about of getting through the day? Mm -hmm. It's, well, the the Jack guy actually, I think his real name is Jack, but he actually has an Instagram um, film review. Have you been stalking this poor man? No, he actually came up on Twitter, I think. And yeah, he has his own film review series on Instagram. And he actually seems to know his stuff. So even though he's not the greatest actor out there. See, I quite liked him in this. His whole role was slightly pissed off airman. And I think he played that pretty well. (laughs) Um, The thing that uh, I did notice was say quite early on. And it's been said in loads of different things about the Queen and it's the life we live is not our own Mm. and it's what her mum says to her the Queen mum and that is literally how like she's lived her life like I I love the royal family I do I'm a huge I I love the royals um some people I know understand some people hate them and I understand why people don't like them but I I love the pomp and the ceremony and the tradition and I also love a super posh accent, as Jordan knows. Yes. I love the posher, the better. Love it. <laughs> and, 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 and these are posh. These are sort of even overly posh at, at times, which is, I think, amped up for the comedic value of everything. I think so, definitely. But one of my favourite aspects of it is in King George, and one of the reasons why he lets them go out is because he wants to understand the Perfect. actual... Rupert Everett. Everett. Love that man. <laughs> he sainted. Sainted? Yeah, mainly for his work in St. Trinian's. Right. No, not knighted. Sainted. Sainted. Right, okay. Love St. Trinian's. The guy's gay. He's not going to get sainted in the Catholic Church, Sean. Well, I'll, I'll make <laughs> him a saint in the Church of Lauren, okay? He played two characters brilliantly in one film. Yeah. But, like, that, that the idea of him wanting to know what the real people think that mm-hmm. his subjects think and how you could get stuck in and it's very much a weird sort of um connection but it's kind of like social media it's yeah. being in that echo chamber of people will tell you it's great because it's their job to tell you it's great and yes. it's you did a brilliant job but actually being out there and understanding how his words and how those speeches actually affected the people mm-hmm. and that is that's important to him and that's I think is a nice value that the film shows is like okay people have this idea of them being um not superhuman but sort of untouchable out of and out of touch where yeah. they actually do care I mean 
this, this film portrays them as they actually do care, but you, you don't know, but... No, but, like, it was a huge, huge thing. They were... Uh, during the Second World War, I think they were advised, I think it was possibly Balmoral or somewhere, they were told to go there, and they said, no, we are going to stay. Mm. And they stayed in Buckingham Palace for the entirety of the war, and they didn't leave, and that was seen as a huge moral boost to the population. It was a case of, if the royal family, who can literally go wherever they want, are going to stay here, then they believe in this cause. They believe that we are strong enough to beat this evil. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably one of the reasons why I do like this film, because it gets to me, it gets me the idea that people on VE Day in London were going to Buckingham Palace and they were watching the speech and they were so happy to see him and be like, he's here and he's been supporting us and he's been rallying us on and doing all this. And then, like, when they're filming in Trafalgar Square, like, you just see it and the sheer amount of people is just... Yeah, and I think it's a bit of a bittersweet film for me as well because... After the war, and especially in that time just after the war, you have this incredible pride and you have this incredible unity between everyone, mm-hmm. really, of just the, the sheer relief and and how proud you are to be British. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that, that that whole spirit of 45, the, the national pride, and just how that term, national pride, has morphed. Yeah, it's not turned for for British anyways. For like here, it's it's not not a good term anymore. No, and it, 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 but it's I think it's it's been adopted by the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, it's that's always looking at me. Where I look at films like with that deal with especially that time period, and you do. I mean, obviously we weren't alive back then. Our parents weren't even alive back then. I don't think my grandparents were. Well, mine were. Mine mine are a bit older than yours. But, like, how proud you are of our nation at that time, of fighting the war, of being selfless and going out and doing things like that. Whereas, yeah, it's just a bit of a bit of a bit of sweetness about it but do you have any favorite scenes in the movie do you have any favorite moments i really like it when margaret is in as 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 she calls it a knocking shot yeah and she meets the gangster and he's like look at my collection i love the royal family <laughs> he's got ornate silver frames of all the royal family and she's like yeah that's nice Oh, great. There's great grandma. Brilliant. And I love that because, one, it's funny. Two, Mm. it's never going to have happened, but it's a nice imagining. And three, like you said, people people were still doing criminal activities, but the royal family helped them get through the war. That pride in who you were and your country helped people keep going. Mm. And I I like the idea of... He may not be a great person, but he takes, he has a huge amount of pride in his country and the people who he sees as being the head of it. Um, and then they go off to Chelsea Barracks. And that, and the thing is, for I me, what, what I think the film does well is it's paced very well. Mm-hmm. You've got, obviously, the story 
of Elizabeth trying to find Margaret, and then you when you cut towards what Margaret's doing, it's always something a bit out there and a bit bit comedic. And she's paddling in uh, Trafalgar Square, yeah, <laughs> right behind. And that's her. it. I mean, I, to be honest, I wouldn't have minded if that was even a bit more slapsticky. Yeah, uh, just to just but like yeah, you've always you'd cut between it, and you've got the drama of Jack and Elizabeth's relationship, and then you've got the silliness of Margaret's escapades. Yeah. And how that really works between it and it, it, it comes to a... It wraps everything up nicely. It does, very, very nicely. Um, they literally just go back to their lives. The people who they've encountered don't tell any, aren't supposed to tell anybody that they've yeah. been out. Because, of course, we've got the official story that they were out from 10 to 1 with an organised group of 16 people. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they weren't, but... I, I, I like the idea of maybe they weren't bugger this. I'm going to go see what's actually happening. And that, I mean, that would be nice, but like I think you give a lot of... You give it a lot of leeway because the characters that you're watching are actually very likable. Yes. So you actually don't care if it's real or not. Yes. Because it's it's just a nice fun ride. Yeah, it's a nice idea, and I I wouldn't want to be royal at all. I wouldn't want to be a member of the royal family. The look, people watching you at all turns. You can't do what you want, and now they seem to be a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, I mean, but they, back then. They wouldn't have been. And I like it because in my head I kind of think, do you know what, it would have been nice for them to maybe have got like that, even just one night. It's a feeling of being invisible. Yeah. It's a feeling of being just one of a crowd and that is appealing for, for anybody who is in the limelight. I'm sure it is because yeah. it's when all eyes are on something else and not you. It, it, it must be a, a nice feeling to have. A feeling like of the, release. Yeah, of no responsibilities of to be in the example of here is to be kids. I mean, they may, they aren't kids, but just to have embrace fun. their youth and have fun yeah. on the most joyous day that had been in years. So yeah, it was, it was a good pick. Thank you. I didn't think you'd actually like it because I do tend to like maybe a bit more lighthearted. Oh yeah. I mean, I guess it's, I don't want to say it's like a chick flick, but it, it's, not, it it's, maybe not. it's a little bit more geared towards that. So I was quite pleased when you said that you liked it because I was like, no, oh, it's a, it's nice one of those easy. where it's a, it's a what I would say it's like a Sunday afternoon watch. Yes, it's just a nice relaxing. Put it on, enjoy it. Will I remember it in a month? Probably not. But if I mention it, if you mention it, like oh, John, do you want to watch it again? <laughs> and you go, I can't remember it. That's a yes. <laughs> So, shall we move on to mine? I have one fact. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. And I think it's a really good one. So, the film takes place on the 8th of May, 1945. And the really big Trafalgar Square scene, where you see everybody partying and everything, was actually filmed on the 8th of May, 2014, which was the 69th anniversary of VE Night. That is very cool. I really like that one. I thought that is such a nice way and probably quite a good way of getting around filming permissions. <laughs> but yeah, we'll take a break and then we'll be back with my pick. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror 
as we tear apart one film a week. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. So come and share the victory. If you could f*** any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody... <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. So we're back and we're going to talk about Spike Lee's 1989 film, Do the Right Thing. I have a glass of wine ready. I'm ready to go. I say a glass, it's probably half a glass by now. Can I talk to you for a second? What? Tina, who's your favourite basketball player? Magic Johnson. Who's your favourite movie star? Eddie Murphy. Who's your favourite rock star? Prince. You're a prince. Boss, Bruce. Prince. Bruce. Pina, all you ever talk about is nigga this and nigga that. And all your favorite people are so-called niggas. It's different. Magic, Eddie, Prince. I'm not niggas. I mean, they're not black. I mean, let me explain myself. They're, they're not really black. I'm, I mean, they're black, but they're not really black. They're, they're more than black. It's, it's, it's different. It's different? Yeah, to me, it's, it's different. You know, deep down inside, I think you wish you were black. Get the fuck out of here. Laugh if you want to. You know, your hair is kinkier than mine. What does that mean? And you know what they say about dark Italians? You know, I've been listening and reading. You've been reading now? I read. So, yeah, Do the Right Thing. It's actually just past its 30th anniversary. It came out on June the 30th, which is an important day because... That's the date that is your birthday. There we are. I was going to say that's the date that we got engaged, but that was the 29th. Yes. Just just in case anybody wants to buy us a present. Yeah, feel free. Feel free. <laughs> we'll also be releasing details of our wedding registry as well. <laughs> Go nuts. So, yeah, so Do the Right Thing is the story... Well, it's mostly the story of Mookie, but, but it is more a story of a street... <clears throat> Yeah. It's a day in the life of a street. Like a community. A community, a neighbourhood. But you've got Mookie, who is Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So, yeah, so Spike Lee writ, directed, produced, and starred in this movie. And he Kevin was... Smith. I think he's a little bit better than Kevin Smith, but... Nobody's better <laughs> than Kevin Smith. <laughs> but he did this when he was around 31, so the fact that he did all this... The, at that age, is just incredible. He's he is still one of the best out the best out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you've got Mookie who works at a local pizzeria. Um, he's and the people around him. You've got one of his friends who is a bit of a a black activist who's not happy with the pizzeria, wants to arrange a boycott, and things sort of escalate from there. Yeah, that's quite a simple way of yeah. putting it. I honestly thought, um, when we paused halfway through so I could get my dressing gown because I was cold, that he'd picked another film where nothing happened. <laughs> because for the first hour, now it happens. It doesn't, but everything happens at the same time. Yeah, everything happens mm. all at once. So I was like, Jesus Christ, okay, he's actually picked something worse and it happens. But I, I think what... And I, and I didn't see it coming. Unlike the... Raising the money for the roof or whatever it was in Electric Boogie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think these two films are comparable. Mm-mm. Breaking Two and Do the Right Thing. But it's a funky soundtrack. To be honest, one of the 
best things of about Do The Right Thing is that plot-wise, yes, there's not a huge amount going on, but thematically, there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, in effect, a study about race. Yeah. Um, and not just the race that you... That, that sort of we think of white and black. It, it covers a spectrum of different races mm-hmm, and, really and different stereotypes about those people and how it all blends in, into everything. For me, what Do the Right Thing is, it's just an incredible, incredible movie. It's probably in my top 10 all-time movies just because it's completely compelling um i'm never bored when watching this movie it always surprises me about how much it it affects me Mm -hmm. and it's always impresses me on how lived in it feels Mm -hmm. of how everybody is fleshed out in some way or another yes you've got mookie and you've got the people who are sort of directly involved in sal's you got sal and, and, and pino and but even the sporting characters such as the Mia. Oh, I loved him. Or Mother Sister. Mm-hmm. Or even Smiley or Sweet Dick Willie. Everybody just feels like they're they're real. Yeah, definitely. And I like that about it. Um, no, I wasn't bored throughout this film. I know you can't be looking at my phone. I was looking at my phone towards the end. Simply because I had been watching it and then I felt that had I misunderstood Spike Lee's message mm-hmm. in the film. And I thought, had I misunderstood the message because I haven't experienced the same thing that yeah, a person yeah. of colour would have. But when I was reading it, I was like, okay, no, okay, I am getting the, the message that yes. he came across. Um, what really shocked me was the, like, his friend Buggin yeah. was an incredibly bad stereotype. The guy isn't just a social activist. He tries to start fights with anybody who's white on on it. Like a guy bumps into him and dirties his sneaker and he starts threatening him over it. Which, I, you know, I understand it was like the status symbol and everything. But then he's like, why? Who let you buy a house here? Who let you do this in my neighbourhood? And he's got people egging him on who were just kind of doing it just to go, oh, yeah, we want something to watch. And I think that's, I mean, to be honest, I think there's people like that. <clears throat> yeah. And, like, obviously, being from the area that, that he's from, he mm-hmm. would have grew up with that and seen... And had bad that, experiences. That, yeah. yeah. And, again, it's also showing you that prejudice against everybody. Everybody has. It's not just prejudice of... Of white on black, it's black on white. It, it, it's black people and Asian people, or Puerto mm-hmm. Ricans, and it's just sort of like how that bleeds into it. And how when Buggins like, who told you you could buy a house on my street? Who told you you could walk on the side of my street? Who told you you can do this and do that? It's like, well, and, and the guy comes and says, it's a free world. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very flippant, flippant thing to say. It's a very but, flippant thing to say, but it's at the same time, it's like well. You, you, you can't tell people where they can walk and where they can live because people have fought actively against that. So yeah. people can live where they want and can move where they want. And, and I think one th- part of the film which works as well and what gives the entire experience a bit of, of depth is the use of the weather. Yes. 
how the first thing that we know about this movie is that it's set in when it's hot, yeah, and how much that plays into the plot of the movie Mm -hmm. because it's when you've got this... It's like if you feel feel uncomfortable, if you feel like you can't settle, then you're going to get agitated and things are going to happen and things are going to escalate. And it's like the film as a whole has heat stroke... Yeah, because like when I was looking at it, all the um, all the, the the lenses, the whole thing is shot in like a yellow and like an orange sort of mm. color to give you the idea of the heat of the sun all the way through, and it does. It looks like such a hot day, and that's it. And you you, you struggle to find a frame of this film that doesn't have red in it. Now, no. that is obviously to do with the weather, but it's also. Anger. anger and danger and it's sort of playing with the idea of something bad is going mm-hmm. to happen and when that does actually finally happen it is something shocking yeah it is um Mookie doesn't do any work throughout the entirety of this goddamn film he delivers a few pieces he delivers like four pieces I think I counted um Sal is giving him a job yeah in literally like across the road from where he lives Sal seems a pretty laid back easy ozy boss the guy's getting paid, what, $250 a week for delivering... $250 a week, yeah. For delivering some pizzas, which he doesn't really seem to deliver, plus tips. That seems like a pretty easy job. He's literally walking up and down his street delivering pizzas. Which, you know, I get the weather's bad, that's going to suck. He's literally going to be about 500 metres away from where Sal's is. Mm. That's it. So that annoys me, because I was like... Do some work. I know, but I think it's part of Mookie. I think the only person who comes out of this film who actually does the right thing is the mayor. Yeah, he's the he's the old drunk man. Is literally the voice of reason throughout all of this. Exactly. And I love like when he's trying to call Sister Mother. I love, I love that. That was and so cute. Ozzy Davies is just unbelievable in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, like, Sal does care about the community. He does. When, he's, when his son Pino is like, oh, let's move. We'll go back to, like, our community. Um, it's showing that there's segregation in just communities, different parts of the city. And Sal's like, no, I've been here for over 25 years. I want to stay here. I've seen kids being born and growing up. And I've seen the old people getting older and pass away. I'm a part of this community. Yeah. You can see that he actually really does care. And in a split second... The stuff goes wrong. It it's like what I what I didn't like was um, Radio Raheem was was like I want respect and all this. Mm. He dem- pretty much demanded respect for everyone. Everybody gave him the respect, but he couldn't show Sal a single piece, a single tiny tiny drop of respect at all. Mm. And I don't agree at all what happened but you feel a little bit like if people just showed each other a little bit of respect in in this case and i think that's the message of the movie yeah because will... but i i feel like a lot of people might watch that and be like oh he was really really hard done by and should have let him play his music and do all this and it's like with buggy and buggy like oh we should have like famous black people on the wall and so I was like well no i'm an italian italian american i've got italian americans on the wall and It'd probably be quite hard to push any sort of Italian restaurant that I've ever been in. Always do tend to have 
famous Italians on the wall because they're celebrating their culture. Yeah. It's one of those, it's like these films are so good is because you understand each side of the story. Mm-hmm. You understand the fact is like, okay, the people who's paying your bills, the people who are coming into your store represent them because it, yeah. it, it, it's part of our community. So if you want to be part of our community, be part of our community. Um, but then you've got, uh, you've got Pino. Yeah. Who, John Turturro is... What else is he in? Oh, he's, he's, been, he's in quite a few Coen Brothers movies. Um, okay. He's a, one of the sort of character actors of the last sort of 30 years. He is. This is what, one of his first movies. So it's like, I, I know this guy's face so well, but I think he's quite skinnier and a bit... I feel like his face is more angular in a lot of other films. Probably. Yeah. Um, but he still is one of the best going and he's... Very, I don't know, very really better than he is in this movie. Mm-hmm. He is so full of of hate and anger and mm-hmm. the way he portrays that and how that, I think, also bleeds into Sal and what happens with Sal in the end. Because what I quite like, and again, getting into the more of the technical side of it, is when we start up, it's when we start in Sal's, everything, the camera is sort of, not far back, but... It's shot in a sort of a mid mid shot, so therefore you you still you feel the space yeah. of the pizzeria. It doesn't feel claustrophobic, but as the film gets further and further on, and we get a bit more of the t- the tension rising, then everything gets really close, and everything gets sort of like invading your personal space, and that's when you feel start to feel uncomfortable when you can see the see the beads of sweat on people's foreheads and on yeah. people's cheeks and that horrible sticky feeling of how people make decisions that they regret now i think what do the right thing does well as well is like it's just how a split second can change your life and that in that second you probably do regret it yeah but you can't take it back yeah um, and with Radio Harahim, I mean, we're not really spoiling Do the Right Thing because it's 30 years old. Yeah, it's the first Spike Lee film I ever watched, but I could very <laughs> easily go on IMDb and go, oh, that's what happens. Yes. So, so when Radio Rahim um, gets killed by the police officer and, and the riot as it is starts, you kind of understand what happens. And it's sort of like, I remember an interview with Spike Lee talking about... Um, how dear does Mookie do the right thing? Mm. It's one of those. It's it's a grey area. area. It's on on a knife edge of does he stand up for himself and his his community, or is he the switch that turns it from a bit of a conflict to full on violence? And you've got the two quotes at the end of the movie. You've got the, the Martin Luther King philosophy and the Malcolm X philosophy and mm-hmm. it does showcase both of those ideologies very very well there isn't really a bad link I don't think no everybody in I it is it. Yeah, everybody is wonderful in it. I mean as, as, as performances mm-hmm. everybody feels fleshed out and, and nice I mean Samuel Jackson in in again one of his earlier roles sometimes steals the show as as the DJ and sets the scene. I kind of thought he was like the narrator in a kind of way because he makes comments on like little bits. But he's from his window, he can literally see like the whole street. He can see everything unfolding from his nice, cool radio station. 
And I think as well, what interests me is the fact that, I mean, I'm not sure if it, it must infuriate Spike Lee that he, I mean, he made this movie in 1989. Well, it would have been, say, 1988 when he made it. Mm-hmm. And it's still as relevant now as it was back then and he's still making films like black klansman which came out last year and he he won his first oscar for oh yeah yeah, i remember that and that is obviously of course all about race in america Mm -hmm. and and it's throughout many of his movies i mean he Mm -hmm. made he made malcolm x as well um, but like yeah, his his version of the black experience is always interesting. He always takes it in in, in different places that make it really really watchable yeah. and, and engaging. And and for me, and in case of do the right thing, it's important. This I, I do believe this is an important movie. Yeah, and it's the first Spike Lee movie that I've ever actually seen, mm. and I think it was a very good one to start on. I think it's very easily accessible to. Everybody, because there is a representation of everybody pretty yeah. much in the film. Um, it can it, it can sometimes be hard to watch something and there is no representation of you. So it, it makes it harder to uh, understand the situation. Whereas I found that this was really good because it showed you this is one big mixed multicultural community. And they all start out working together yeah. and then they fall back on old racism and old prejudice and old stereotypes. And to me, that's like, okay, it's not saying one person or one race was better than the other. They were all guilty of the same thing. I mean, you've got that, it's a famous monologue, but it's a famous scene within the movie where you've got all the different characters delivering a monologue to camera. Yeah. And it, it's, everybody has something awful to say about the other Somebody person. Else, yeah. And it's like, it, it, that's sort of an eye opener to everything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just to finalise, I think it's one of the best scripts out there. I mean, again, paced really, really well. I think it's got a great message. Dialogue's fantastic. But even technically, when You've got, obviously, it's a story of a street. So even in the background, when you've got two characters, you still, you still see people yeah. playing in the background. And it's still, again, it just adds that sort of, that alive feeling the film has. Um, and the score by Spike Lee's dad, mm-hmm. um, that jazzy score, just adds to the the feeling of the movie. And it again, jazz has this sort of, I mean, it's a weird you don't know where it's going. You don't know yeah. sort of how... It, so that's sort of like the film. It always leads... It, it builds and it subsides and it builds and it subsides and it's always, always there. Mm-hmm. And it's... Yeah, I mean, Do the Right Thing has a special place in my heart and I think it's one of the best films. And it's even like... It didn't win... We got nominated for Best Screenplay at the Oscars of that year and Best Supporting Actor um, for Sal, the guy who plays Sal. Mm-hmm. And it's so Academy Awardy that something that's so important as this and what actually ends up winning Best Picture was Driving Miss Daisy, which what this does for race oh and what that did for race, it's so... Complete polar opposites. Complete polar opposites of what the Academy was at that time. Um, Just to finish, I have something that if people wanted to then research yeah. after it. So when... um Is it 
Is it Jane or Jade? His Jane. Jane. Okay, so after she's been in the pizzeria and him, her and Mookie are having a bit of an argument outside, there is some graffiti on the wall called saying Tawana told the truth. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, that's a bit of a strange thing. So I actually Googled it and I found out what it means. Right. And it is um, in reference to a rape case brought um, forward by a girl called Tawana Brawley. And um, she was raped. She, she, she accused several men of raping her all at the same time. Um, victim of awful sexual assault and she was actually found she was alive but they put her in a trash bag and scrolled racist um, words all over her and feces and awful and um, the several men all of them were white and they included several police officers and a prosecutor after a year a grand jury, a grand jury concluded that she was not a victim of sexual assault and that um, or not a victim of forced sexual assault and may have brought it on herself. So even just like the graffiti in the film means something. Means something. And like it was just it was just right centre frame and it really caught my eye and it was something very interesting and really horrific to read. Um but she's she's never got justice. As yeah. far as I could find. And I think this is... It was directed at the mayor of New York at the time who was very, very lax on race, mm-hmm. racial issues. Um, but again, it's not only stuff like that. It's I mean, it has a massive, massive part of the movie, but public enemies fight the power. Yeah, constantly How on. Constantly on. And it, that's sort of telling you a story in itself. But I mean, I could rattle on for this movie for days, so... I'll cut it there, but yeah. If you haven't seen Do the Right Thing, do yourself a favour and go watch it. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely recommend watching it. Cool. It's a heavy film. Don't be put off by the fact that for the first hour nothing happens, <laughs> as I mistakenly was. But I I was I was wrong. There you are. First time ever <laughs> in my life. I like that you think that. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, so that's our films for this week. Yep. Um, what are we going to do next week? We are doing films to get you out of a bad mood, but yes. we will think of a snazzier title. <laughs> and as always, you can get in contact with us on our social media. You can contact us on Facebook at hfhm underscore podcast yes um, we're on Instagram come on we just need a few more followers and yes. we can hit like a hundred yes and we I need three can, digits we need three digits and that you can follow us on there under his film her movie podcast um, just for those people out there we are heading to Edinburgh Fringe this week yeah so you will probably see us I don't know maybe pissed on the train Maybe, maybe. We, we, we like it. We, we like a little can on the train. We do. We don't have seats. So um, let's see how long Lauren can last while she's standing up. <laughs> Am I getting about 10 minutes yeah. now to sit on the floor? And you can follow us on Twitter on at his film, her movie. And yeah, Apple Podcast Reviews, you can yeah. get in contact with us there. You can leave us a rating and a review. It always helps people find the show or you can follow us on Spotify. On Apple Podcasts, an easy way to really help us out would be just to give us five stars. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we need we deserve the five stars. <laughs> and then, um, for a review, just put either your favourite film for getting you out of a bad mood 
Or just your favourite film in general. Yes. Or maybe even your worst film. <laughs> we could make a list of all the worst films. It's a good idea. And then we could slowly work our way through them. It's a good idea. And hopefully not cry a lot. <laughs> Righty, well, I think that's another episode in the bag for us. It is. I'm going to go and cuddle the cat and drink the rest of my wine. <laughs> she's crying for me. Sounds like a nice evening. It will be.